Welcome to the Elevate podcast. My name is Sarah Hopkins. And I'm Amanda Noga, and these are conversations to elevate your health, relationships, and soul. And before we get into this awesome episode, we really want to share with you some exciting news. We are about to launch our brand new and very first retreat, Elevate Retreat. And this will be on from the 2nd to the 6th of May in beautiful Bali. And it will be a combination of all of our experience and passions in health coaching, Ayurveda, yoga and meditation. And it is designed to elevate your health, relationships and soul. We would love you to join us. All the information for this will be in the show notes, so please come along. I am just jumping into your ears today before this episode to let you know that Amanda and I for season two have been recording in two separate locales. I'm here in Perth and she is in the beautiful Ubud in Bali. So there is a little bit of discrepancy between our voices, but we hope that you love and enjoy the show. Today we are talking about meditation. This is a topic that Sarah and I have both been interested in and committed to and sharing with our students slash clients for a long time. So we thought it was only fitting that we had a chat on the podcast about this elusive topic. And I guess, first of all, I want to demystify meditation, really. It's a really simple practice of sitting quietly, sitting down quietly, doing nothing for any given amount of time. That's one of the most amazing things about meditation practice is that it is for everybody. It's available to anyone, no matter where you are, what you do, how much money you earn, or you know, whatever life circumstance is current. Meditation is um, something that we can all tap into and all benefit from. The benefits, God, I don't even know if we need to go into them. They are wide and broad and pretty well known to reduce, you know, meditation reduces stress. It increases our capacity for clarity and calm. The physical benefits are huge. The psychological benefits are there. Yeah, I mean, the research is definitely conclusive now, which is an amazing thing as well to have all this scientific evidence supporting a meditation practice. I think that we will like dive a little bit more deeply into that in a minute, you sort of articulated it beautifully in that it's really just sitting quietly with yourself. But, you know, if you had to define meditation any more than that, what what would you say? What would you or do you say to your students? I like to explain it as a pretty straightforward practice of training the mind, I guess, in its simplest description and like yoga there's so many styles and types of meditation and that can be confusing as well and I think can often detract from how simple and how potent it is simply just to sit down whether you know any kind of technique or not so yeah I actually try not to put too many words around it when I'm explaining it and just let people have their own experience of what it is to sit down and I guess breath is really the the foundation for me and what I teach and what I practice that's kind of my yeah the backbone of training the mind is yeah using the breath as a 
way to tap into what is present, present moment, present feeling, present thought, whatever the focus might be. And it can be anything. Love it. I love it. I love the simplicity of that. And I think, you know, as you touched on before, both of us have been really staunch practices and advocates of the art of meditation and speaking personally and professionally you know i think that it is one of the most profound things that we can do for our health and our well-being and for for everything actually um and like you said there is a lot of data now there is a lot of really really solid conclusive scientific data that um proves that it has so many amazing effects from lowering our blood pressure to reducing, you know, cognitive disorders like anxiety. There has been positive effects on, um, you know, repetitive meditation for so many uh, health issues and, you know, we're not going into the the science of this today we're, we're just gonna you know speak anecdotally from our own experience and our own professional experience but certainly you know what I've seen in my own life is a profound improvement in my ability to deal with life <laughs> which is basically stressful particularly when I was working in the corporate sector and I was running around with my high heels on and my 10 devices and my poor staff just being a total corporate bitch actually um, and and I started meditating and I actually noticed a really profound change in from corporate bitch to semi-normal nice human and I think the changes that I was making to my well-being I think it was that sitting in stillness every day and and sort of routine way that was the most profound in terms of just bringing my stress levels down a little bit sort of personal experience um, with it and then moving into a health coaching role I basically advocate that meditation or sitting in stillness or lying on a foam roller in, you know, in stillness with every single client. And those that can do it with any sort of, you know, regularity really do report that same experience, that real sense of, you know, less stress, that real sense of calm and that more profound ability to just maintain a sense of calm and also I have found over the years just a deep connection to my inner being so my intuition my ability to listen to my inner voice to feel you know what I need to feel or um, you know just that inner guidance is, is definitely stronger when I'm meditating so that's sort of you know what I see as the why how about you I think a common misconception is that meditation is about stopping the mind or stopping thoughts or having a clear mind and I often hear that from students as like a roadblock of like oh I tried to meditate but my mind was just going too fast and I'm shit at meditation that's just not true and it's such a shame when people have that experience and think oh I'm crap at meditation because that's actually not the point and that's that experience is really natural and really normal and it's the nature of the mind to to think like you said the capacity to deal with life and connect with life in a deeper and more meaningful way has been, I guess, my biggest 
side effect of a meditation practice. I was thinking back to when I first started and I guess looking at the evolution of my meditation practice. And when I first started meditating, it was actually before I was deep into yoga, which I feel quite lucky for because I brought that meditation experience to my yoga practice rather than the other way around. But I guess it doesn't really matter which way it happens. But anyway, I started meditating with lots of um, like, visualization and like past life regression and kind of like these mystical exciting guided um programs and so I was doing a lot in the meditation if that makes sense so I was giving my mind quite a lot of stimulation and yeah stuff to do which is a totally valid and effective meditation practice and like I said in the very beginning there are so many different styles I think what's important is just going with what resonates with you at a particular time and in saying that to commit to one style or one technique I think is really important when we kind of dig around jumping from one meditation style to another the analogy often said is like you know, if you're digging a well and you're just digging a little bit over here and digging a little bit over there, you're never going to hit water. The commitment to, yeah, one style I think is important of just going deep and actually getting to the goal, getting to the water. So I guess eventually my meditation practice moved into more of a mindfulness-based style and mindfulness has become massive now. I think actually that's often confused with meditation in general, would you say? Yeah, definitely. And mindfulness is not necessarily meditation. It's just mindfulness, being present. Mindfulness is more of a way of being and it can be applied to the way that we eat, the way that we walk, the way that we talk, Uh, whereas meditation is, yeah, just that simple practice of sitting quietly. In saying that, I did an amazing course about, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something. And yeah, it was 2009. So I did this mindfulness-based stress reduction course. It was part of a teacher training that I was doing. And this course is by John Kabat-Zinn, who's kind of like the main man of mindfulness. He's the one that has founded all of this incredible research, which allows mindfulness now to be taught in schools and used in hospitals and nursing homes. And through that program, I learned so many amazing techniques that I still use today. I guess that kind of simplified and pared back my exciting Vedic (laughs) meditation, visualization practices, and just, yeah, brought it back to just breathing, just being present with whatever is arising, which for me has kind of been where my practice is like simmered down into. Yeah, having those foundational skills taught in MBSR, which is the mindfulness-based stress reduction, I was given the privilege of, yeah, going into hospitals and teaching meditation to terminally ill people or in nursing homes or in prisons. And I've taught a lot in schools, which I think is so awesome particularly in high school I've taught in lots of um like private girls schools in those last couple of years at school where they're doing their TE I don't know if it's called that anymore but that real pivotal time where stress levels are going up 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 the pressures of life are like looming in and it's interesting for me to go from those classes with the high school girls into corporate classes and say like if you girls don't get this now this is you and 30 years or 20 years, like planting those seeds at that age, I think is so awesome. And I was lucky to yeah get it pretty young as well. So I'm grateful for that. You got everything 
pretty young. <laughs> I feel like your evolution into like wellness and spirituality was pretty young. I think, uh, yeah, you're lucky. But I think, you know, something I want to add, um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about the different types, although I feel like we've alluded to some of them, is that in my experience, it's good to a lot of people, and you alluded to this as well, Mandy, is a lot of people say they can't meditate. And I get that it's because they think that they should have a clarity of mind that is just actually not possible. They need to learn to just sit and witness the mind and that's part of the joy of meditation. But I also think, you know, professionally in my experience, when when a lot of my clients come in to see me, they're so wound up. They are so stressed out. They have so much like EMF-related probably, you know, um, overdrive in terms of their adrenals and and just their nervous system in general and they you know have all these toxins going in and they have all these sensory all this sensory overload they are literally just walking around just all wound up like a toy like overwound and it is literally impossible for them to sit and be still with their mind and so sometimes I recommend I don't recommend meditation usually I don't recommend meditation for my clients until about week four or five when I've taken out the toxins and started to um, help with sleep hygiene and just started to bring awareness to some of the other things like we talked about I suppose in our food episode um, to me it was you know what's important is sort of preparing the body and the nervous system so that that level of stillness can actually be achieved. So, I mean, I think it's really great that um, people are teaching, and I I go in and talk about you know the benefits of meditation to the corporate sector, but I actually do it at the end of talking about how we can reduce some of the other everyday stresses because I think that 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 roadblock that people are experiencing is that monkey-mindedness is partly just a really overworked nervous system. Which is probably why mindfulness is a really awesome stepping stone. Not that it can't be, um, you know, a deeper and more... um, yeah, a deeper practice, of course, it can be that as well. But as a stepping stone, it allows us to bring a mindful or meditative quality to eating, maybe talking, maybe just going for a walk in the park or whatever. It's kind of like having the train wheels on in a way. Totally, totally. And the other thing before trying to sit. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I, you know, um, like to recommend to my clients and, and people that I generally speak to um, is also just to start at whatever feels because I think, you know, like if you go and do, say, let's use transcendental meditation as an example. I feel like that's like a super hot meditation technique at the moment. You know, like the really traditional, it's sort of like Ashtanga yoga, like there's like my way or the highway sort of way to do that, it would seem. And the really traditional way to do that is to meditate two times a day for 20 minutes. And so to, you know, a a vast um, majority of people, that's just like completely unrealistic, particularly if you're just starting out. 
And so, you know, I always say just do five minutes. Like everyone can find five minutes, you know, and really struggling to sit with yourself because that's really what meditation is, it's just sitting with yourself, which we're not used to doing. Um, you know, then five minutes can seem like a lifetime but also can pass quickly enough that you can you can sort of feel compelled to do it again. Whereas if you have to find 20 minutes twice a day, you're probably going to do it. Meditation is about doing it. Like, again, it's like that little building a well analogy. It's like if you just do it once, like dig a little hole once, you're never going to get there. You have to keep digging all the time. Yeah, and I think part of it is sitting through the discomfort. So I don't know. I'm kind of like mm, just sitting for five minutes. Like, yeah, of course, it's better than nothing. But it's like if you really want to experience the benefits, I don't know if five minutes will cut it. <laughs> I really, I just genuinely wonder, you know, like, of course, it's better than not sitting. And of course, it's a good start. And if that feels doable and 20 minutes doesn't, then so be it. You've got to start with where you're at. But I guess I would really urge anyone who's interested in meditation to to make that commitment and carve out that time to really get into it you know to really experience the benefit and there are so many like I think that yeah I agree with you 100% about the five minutes but it's my starting point for people that are oh my god what do you mean no nothing for five minutes I know it's hard to believe, especially for you who, like, was born. But we have a different demographic, I guess, of people that we end up connecting with. So I get people in my classes and retreats and stuff that are interested in yoga and interested in meditation, and you get people that are, you know, maybe that's totally foreign to them. So, yeah, it's it's a different thing. Yeah, but what do you think? Like, so five minutes is my starting point, and then I like to say, well, now that you can do five, let's do ten, and then I suppose – you know, I would say the minimum is 15 minutes. Um, what, what would you say? Yeah, I would say 15, 20. I guess it depends, like, if it's in conjunction yeah. with maybe going for a walk and then sitting quietly for 15 minutes, I think. Like, there's actually studies that show if you meditate before going for a run or going to the gym, then the physical payoff for that time is much better and actually for mental health as well. So doing those two activities in conjunction increases the benefit of both rather than doing, you know, the meditation separately to the um, to the run or whatever it is. Yeah, so I guess, like, if you're only doing meditation, I would say, like, 20 minutes to really go through those layers of, like, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm bored, this is annoying, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, da-da-da. You know, to go to like filter through all those layers of thought, surface thought, surface thought, surface thought, to simmer down into something that's a little bit deeper. I think 20 minutes maybe. It's, I don't know. To put a time frame on it even seems silly, to be honest. <laughs> Some people could maybe drop into a deeply meditative state in like two minutes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think, I don't know, I think that I have always recommended five minutes to the uninitiated that have just never, ever stepped away from their phone or anything to fill all of that yeah. empty space that, you know, that mind, yeah. real monkey mind, that needs just to start somewhere that's doable. Yeah. And I think 
yeah, in conjunction with another activity, like I said, going for a walk or a run or like maybe writing or like doing something else that can have that meditative quality probably is a helpful like way of simmering down as well when the nervous system super wound up. I know for me anyway, like writing is one of my favorite tools especially if I'm like emotionally charged or super stressed about something to write a little bit before I try and um, sit and meditate is really helpful for like processing those surface thoughts. And I think of it as like emptying the garbage. It's like, okay, just put all this in the bin and now I can start. Love it. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. So that's probably a good segue into what – we actually do yeah I will share just briefly sort of the evolution of my practice um so I I'm the same Amanda I was doing a lot more visualization based um meditations and I've done so many different types like I've done you know like that creation meditation like you were talking about and um and then yeah more mindfulness based stuff and at the moment I'm really digging the mantra based but I am doing some visualization at the moment that is more like hypnosis and then I'm also and then I'm also doing some mantra based stuff that that's my favorite because the even with the hypnosis stuff I guess for me it feels like it's still cognitive whereas I feel like with the mantra getting beyond the mind so I don't and I think I was listening to a podcast I think it was Deepak Chopra and Oprah that's a really good one they do such a good program no but this wasn't their meditation program but this was just them talking so it was like an interview super soul conversations or something and um yeah and basically he Deepak Chopra was saying like if you if you're doing any visualization or anything like that you need to do that at the beginning of your meditation because you're just in your mind. You're just like, he's like, that's yeah. just mind work. That's how it feels as well. Yeah. It feels quite heady and like quite actively, Yeah, quite active. It's the same as thinking. It's just creative thinking, you know, like. Thinking about something else. Yeah. And I guess that can be helpful as well to focus on something specific and, you know, something positive or something of a high consciousness I think yeah yeah, that's yeah I mean I recommend my fertility clients and and other clients that might have goals that um are you know challenging or whatever to visualize it and then drop into the like to then let let go of that and just drop into the meditation Mm -hmm. and when you say mantra are you is it like a tea tea like tm mantra or a mantra that you've kind of set for yourself or um it yeah it but it's just the, the mantra that I'm using is just a hum so which is mm-hmm. I am that I am or something like that I think it's just one of those like so hum ah hum it's just um a really yeah it's a universal mantra it's not a um like you know with obviously with transcendental meditation you get your own special mantra that you're not meant to share with anybody it's all very um secretive (laughs) but um it's actually like underneath it it's all just the same stuff but not to criticize tm because they have done because people often criticize tm as well for being a really expensive meditation program which it is i think it's a few thousand dollars to their um 
to do their thing and get your mantra. But in saying that, because they've been able to generate all this money, they've been able to do loads of awesome research. So they were the group that did that um, big study about, I think I can't remember what city it was, maybe it was like Detroit or something like that, and they had X number of people meditating and say like 200 and they did this consistently at the same time every day and in that month they saw the crime levels drop radically so wow they're saying like the effect the collective effect of that meditation um meditative state being anchored in a particular place affected everyone even the people that weren't meditating the criminals (laughs) that's so good and they also did another cool one about schools of, um, yeah, teaching TM in schools, like improves the kids' grades, improves attendance, um, and basically, yeah, overall the behaviour of the kids. So they are doing lots of cool stuff. Yeah. So do you want to share what your practice is at the moment? What sort of, what are you doing? My practice has, um, yeah, like I said, really simplified and simmered down over the years I guess a pivotal time for me was on a trip to India and I was at actually a zen meditation center um, which is quite rare I think it's actually your only zen center in India because zen is typically more Japanese and Chinese but yeah I was at this center and I did 40 days of silent meditation and that was I mean huge that's like a whole podcast (laughs) in itself but since then my practice has yeah that was kind of a turning point I guess of like letting go of all these like jingles and jangles and exciting things and like the visualization and the chakra based meditation and stuff like that which of course has its place and has its purpose and I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever but for me personally having that really long extended experience of meditating basically all day every day and having nothing else going on enabled me to really connect in a much deeper way and a much more uh, heartfelt and and just simple simple way so anyway since then my practice has really just been yeah, maybe 20 to 30 minutes at the end of my yoga practice in the morning. And sometimes I'll sit in the evening as well if I feel like it. But generally I don't do any kind of technique. It's more just watching the breath, feeling my body, feeling the energy, and um, it's nothing more complicated than that. I also really love using mantra. I'll usually do that at the end of my yoga practice and I'll do like a Sanskrit mantra are you is that mantra like out loud though or is that um just spoken internally yeah usually I'll start out loud and kind of like sing it or say it to myself and then I guess naturally it just kind of like quietens down and then I'll end up saying it and repeating it internally and then just letting it kind of fade out. And I use Sanskrit mantra. So that as well is a way of purifying and calming the nervous system. It works on a Sanskrit's a really, it's an old, what's well, one of the most ancient languages and it's not really used anymore in a, in a 
normal sense, like a normal language, but we use it in yoga all the time. Um, and the way that the Sanskrit words, and particularly when we use mantra, the way that the syllables resonate in your body, so sound frequency affects our body in the most direct and kind of efficient way. Um, yeah, the different syllables affect different parts of the body and kind of clear and change the vibration of your energy field. It's getting a bit woo-woo, but anyway. I really love Sanskrit mantra. I feel the difference. I feel the um, kind of uplifting energy of using them. So anyway, I just like it, so I do it. That sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. So we are coming up to time, so I think we'll just move into what the – any challenges. For me, I think – there's a couple. I've already touched on one. I suppose um, what we've already talked about the time, I feel like for most people it's time. Like that's the problem that I get the feedback. But that's the problem with everything. Totally. With food, with totally. exercise. Totally. And I, and I love that quote. I don't know. You know how everyone like basically, you know, sort of plagiarizes and bastardizes all these apparent like old sages quotes, but there's that meme going around where it says, um, is it the Dalai Lama or is it Buddha says, you must meditate for 30 minutes a day and if you're too busy to do that, you must meditate for an hour. <laughs> I sort of love that because it's like if you're too busy to meditate, then you got to meditate more because that's <laughs> so. Yeah. I always think like everyone's got the same amount of hours in the day. Like Oprah exactly. hasn't got more hours than you and she meditates, so you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, but I, I've already touched on this, but for me another shortfall is I think, I really do think, you know, um, just down downgrading or down defragging the nervous system. So, you know, like mm. working on your well-being, you know, like how can you reduce uh, your exposure to EMFs or can you put your feet on the ground a bit more during the day to offset some of that or, um, you know, can you eat more high vibrational food that, you know, so that you've got less of that going on because that will help with your meditation practice. So I guess the challenge, mm-hmm. a challenge or shortfall is, you know, being um unwell and being hyper stimulated in your nervous system because of all of that going on does that make sense well that's how the yoga practice is often described as um a preparation for meditation so yoga yes so you can see yeah so you can see it and it's not just necessarily about opening your hips so you can sit comfortably but it's about preparing the nervous system and purifying the body so yeah, they go hand in hand. And the other challenge that I just wanted to or, or the other thing that I just wanted to say, um, and I feel like this is, um, again, speaking from a bit of personal experience because I'm doing some uh, shadow work, I guess you would say, just delving into the, my subconscious mind, um, some of my triggers, some of my emotional blocks and doing some of that work is um it's not and this is this goes for everything as well so everything I guess we've spoken about can be applied to lots of other concepts and things that we speak about but 
it's not the panacea. It's not the magic bullet. Mm. Like you can't, I know people and so do you, Amanda, that, um, you know, probably have like run away, use meditation as an escape, as a form of escapism and, you know, um, it's not mm-hmm. going your whole life you still have to get out there and have those hard conversations and do the work you know if it's emotional um stuff that you're healing it doesn't just I mean obviously you can delve deeply into your own psyche but you still have to go out into the world and 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 sort of um operate at a higher level if you can or um you know face challenging people and situations and um do the work it's not the magic totally. Does that make sense? Well, I have definitely fallen into that boat myself. Like, there's been so many times where I've been in India and just thought to myself, "Oh, I could easily stay at this ashram for the rest of my life. That's cool. I can do this. <laughs> That's totally fine." Um, but then you stay there a little bit longer, and you realize, like, all the people in the ashram are also humans, and they're also just working out all their human shit, and what I've personally reconciled is I'm not meant to live in an ashram or in a cave in this lifetime. I'm meant to be in the world doing the things. So I've come to terms with that. But, yeah, it can definitely be used as a, a way of avoiding and there's this, like, whole spiritual bypassing conversation. that It's like I'm just going to keep going inward and keep working on myself and then my external world will just start to change and improve and obviously there are you know elements of truth in that yeah which is why it's such a little trick the trap man (laughs) (laughs) totally totally so that's that's a shortfall that I see is that people think can think that and my I myself and obviously you too think that that's going to solve all of our problems you need the truth there's no panacea there's no magic pill. There's no magic pill, even if the magic pill isn't really a magic pill and is requires hours of sitting down, being with yourself. It's still not a magic pill. So, yeah. Yes. Um, so maybe we should dive into recommendations. Um, what's your recommendation for this week? Well, one of my favourite meditation teachers, someone so dear to my heart, is a woman called Sally Kempton. And we'll link to her stuff in the show notes, but I have had the pleasure and privilege of practicing with her and studying with her over the years. And she's just such a beautiful woman. And I feel like we need to clone her about 50 billion times and just have more of her in the world. Um, She has a lot of great online resources for meditation, guided meditations, everything from compassion and loving kindness to more like esoteric meditations around the goddesses and energetics and stuff like that. Um, And then she also just has really simple guidance as well. So, yeah, I would recommend checking out her stuff any way you can. And if you have the opportunity to meet her in the flesh and do any of her trainings or retreats, definitely do it. Okay, awesome. She sounds amazing. I'm going to check her out. She's so beautiful. I just want to look at her all day. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Well, I am going to recommend an app. There's so many good apps um, and I have been meditating with apps for a long time, initially guided and then 
over the last couple of years much less guided and just with a timer. This particular app has changed my meditation technique to it is the transcendental meditation technique but without, I guess, those strict rules uh, around timing um, and it's called One Giant Mind and obviously we'll put the links in the show notes um, and it's just really nice. It's just a really nice um gentle way and I, I it's founded by some Aussie guys right yeah yeah and it's um I really I'm really enjoying I mean I'm probably not even using it that much anymore I just use it but I don't um it's not guided or anything so is it what's in there what is, is it a timer or is it it's like um I don't know if you're if you know of headspace it's it's very similar to that in that it, it assumes that you're starting at the beginning. And even though I've been meditating for years, I did start at the beginning and did the beginners, however long that is, they do like a little beginners. And it's all free. This app is completely free, which is amazing. Such a good resource. Yeah. And then you do a 30-day challenge, which I did. And now I just use it because it's got background music, which I'm hoping might be um, changing my brain state a little bit, but I'm not sure. Um, but the time is there um and it's it's mantra based so it's it's beautiful and i'm really enjoying enjoying that that type of meditation here's a bonus recommendation something i used for years and years is um basically just tonal it's not even music it's just yeah tones that change your brain waves i'm sure you've heard of this as like there's binaural beats i used one called center point and if you don't want someone talking to you but you do want something that helps you get in the zone, then I think those are really awesome. I also used one that was um, called Holosync. It was quite expensive actually, but that yeah. that was like, is it um, theta, beta and theta brainwave state inducing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. they um, also had um, affirmations like that got into the subconscious mind, like woven through them. With those tracks, they run for mm. 30 minutes, so um, a lot of people might not have the time to do those. They used to do those pre mm. <laughs> Now I don't have 30 minutes. <laughs> and can be good um, if you have trouble sleeping as well to listen to those to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly, and there's lots of those um, specifically designed for sleep that you can stick in your ears at night time. So I think that that is a wrap for today. That's all we have time for. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevate. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. For any further updates with me, you can come along and follow me at Instagram. I'm at at Shopkins Health. And if you'd like to stay tuned with me throughout the week, I'm at yoga underscore alchemy on Instagram. And what we would love right now is if you can hit subscribe, leave us some stars, leave us a few words, any questions or feedback we love to read. So keep it coming and have an amazing day.